You're supposed to say hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Circle of Dads, the space for sharing stories about the struggles and triumphs of fatherhood and learning to become better men. Well, thank you for tuning into the Circle of Dads podcast. I'm Ryan. I'm your host, and I'm so grateful all of y'all tuned in here today. I'm here with my buddy Dan. I'm going to let him introduce himself. So, Hi, my name's Dan. I'm a special education teacher. Uh, right now, I'm working with mostly autistic children with behavioral issues, you know, kids that are having a rough time trying to improve their behaviors, as well as other children, too, that have some behavior issues such as uh, so some bipolars and some extreme ADHD types. So working with kids, just trying to get better. And you're working in like a private school. Yeah, it's a th- exactly. It's a therapeutic school. So it's not very you know typical of just you know letting in anyone. They don't let any kid in. It's you know almost exclusive, shall we say? You know there has to be an issue. There's a reason why you're there. In that type of scenario, is it's not necessarily a punishment. It's just more like a hey, we're not equipped. Yeah, because vast majority of these kids have already been you know through public schools and certain um, private schools too, and they were just you know those schools really weren't equipped for these type of behavior. It was more of an academic setting. So this school certainly has the academic component to it, but also you know a full time therapist and you know all the staff is, you know, trained to deal with, you know, emotional outbursts or, you know, obscenities and chairs being thrown out through the classroom when such things should occur. So it's different. There's, you know, different expectations. And What's know. the age range? Well, the school goes from kindergarten, I think there's even one kindergarten, all the way to grade 12. Oh, wow. Yeah, you don't see a whole lot of kindergartners because by then they're, you know, being in the public schools and things haven't really, you know, gotten so, you know, bad yet. Sure. So, but there's like, like one or two over there. There's not a whole lot. So that's a pretty unique career field. How'd you get into that? Oh, wow. Well, I got into it by accident. One time I was at an elementary school and this is right when I was just getting into teaching. I was visiting this school and the principal said, no, hey, Dan, can, can you talk, talk to me? Well, I was just a substitute teacher at the time. So principals usually, you know, won't pay any attention to you. You're not really relevant. You're not part of their staff. And I was like, sure. So I went in there and he proceeded to tell me about this little boy, a third grader, who had taken his teacher out violently. Uh, he had kicked and beaten her so hard she was out for a month and in recovery, you know. Uh, doing some re- recovering, and the principal's how, idea was how old, how old is the third grader? Uh, probably about eight years old, but I guess he was in quite a rage. Wow! So he had a little extra energy. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, just, no, no. I was trying yeah, to do the math good, in my head. I was like, okay. Yeah. So I was. He was taken away from his mom because he'd been so horrifically abused, um, been sexually abused by two male uh, family members, and. So I guess the courts took him away, and he was living in a group home. So what I would do is go to this group home and work with a kid. I mean, this is back in 2000, and I think what's amazing is I still remember some of the reading materials we would read together. You know, it kind of had that much of an impact on me. I remember 
we'd uh, read this story. He was below grade level naturally, so I was probably working with, you know, first, second grade level. And sometimes it looks like spilt milk. So we're reading stuff like that. But 20 years later, you know, the kid has that much of a pull on your heart. You know, you still remember the reading materials from 20 years ago. Yeah, so I worked with that boy for quite a few months, for like two hours a day, one-to-one. And then I'd go back to that same elementary school where they had a special program for kids with emotional uh, disturbances. Um, Nowadays, we don't use those terms, but back then it was called severely emotionally disturbed, but... No, politically correct not now it's usually referred to as a C's program or a social emotional support program and I just fell in love with it being able to you know work with kids you know just who really need lots of help because if these kids can't make it the only option in this country really is jail which makes me really really sad to think about that but that's basically where these kids end up for me I'm not so much worried about the academics You know, if a kid can't figure out a quadratic equation, I really don't care. But if we can get this kid, you know, working at a job and being a productive member of society, wow. I mean, that's... that's Figure out why he wants to stab the old lady in the eye with a fork, you know, for getting his order wrong. Yeah, yeah, because those things happen, don't they? They do. Our jails are filled with people like that. You know, it's amazing how much mental health goes untreated. Yeah, or the prison system inadequately you know, deals with the mental health um, problems of this country, that and homelessness. I try to be pretty empathetic. I remember there was a point in my life where I'd look down on someone like a homeless person, right? Like, man, you made those decisions. We all make decisions, blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, who the fuck am I to say that, you know? And (laughs) like you have conversations with these people just randomly. Like if you're at a stoplight and somebody asks you for food or whatever, and you hand them a granola bar or whatever it is and, and hopefully you're doing that without taking a selfie while you do it. But if you're just, and you're talking to the dude, he's probably going to be a little off. There's going to be a little, there's going to be something there that's not the norm, or he probably wouldn't be out there doing that. That's it, 100%. Yeah, I don't know what his options really are if he can't really fit in and do you know, the things that quote-unquote normal people, whatever that really is, um, do to have a job, to have a family. And maybe, you know, even something like that, it's, 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 it's a matter of circumstances that got, like maybe, cause I know some normal people using air quotes that yes, are really fucked up, like just do some heinous shit, but they've had such a structure, such a family support system or social support system or safety net or whatever it is that they never got to feel the real pitfalls of what that mental malady would could bring them like this person may have not had any of those you know he might have been impoverished or, or grew up without a dad or whatever and, and just the just a, a straight product of the system yeah and you know that's where he is you know you'd see those guys standing on the street corner you know in front of starbucks or whatever with no shirt on completely sunburnt and just screaming at a bush you know, just having a complete manic conversation with themselves. 99% of people look at that and they're like, that dude is fucking insane. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of the responses will be, well, I'm afraid of that person. Oh, yeah. Which is really unfortunate. Because he's saying out loud everything I think. (laughs) 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 He's just gotten to the point maybe to where he just just lost that filter. He lost that social restraint. Yeah. The voices in his head won out. And he didn't have the adequate resources to be able to to get the therapy for that. Yeah. And then, I mean, there's obviously medications for such things, but then all the side effects. And, Rob, I don't know what, to, what the solution would be to such things. It's, it's obviously very sad. Yeah. But these kids, 
you know, have this solution. They have a, they have a school that they can go to and to where they're, they're taught by you. So what's your role in the school? Well, academically, I teach um, history and science, but sometimes really that's not too relevant when a kid is, you know, yelling, fuck you and throwing chairs, which that occasionally happens. Um, you know, if such a thing would happen, actually you get all the other kids out of the classroom away from them because it's kind of mildly traumatic. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, just try, trying to talk to the kid, get the kid, you know, grounded and calm down because, I mean, obviously they're going to come back down to base, but, you know, just keep them safe, you know, and on rare occasion, if they're going to harm themselves or others and it can be done safely, um, you know, they might need to be restrained for a little bit until they get control of themselves. And, you know, you give them 10 minutes and that's exactly what will happen because, you know, what goes up to them oh, yeah. comes back down. Okay. And then you can talk about it and process it, you know, get a therapist um, involved because, you know, there's two of those at the school where I work with. It's both, you know, teachers and therapists and continue, uh, you know, working on some solutions and, you know, and their behaviors for the reason why they're there. So do you see a dramatic change in these kids from the time that they arrive till when they're no longer at your school? Yeah. Um, I've seen a few cases. I've been there for three years where, you know, the child had all kinds of problems, you know, in the public school system. And because of that, parents like, well, you know, I can't do this anymore. I'll, you know, in air quotes again, I'll homeschool school little Billy. And it doesn't really happen at all. They're just trying to avoid the problems, you know, that they've already had. And that's understandable. So no progress is made and very little academic progress is made. But you know, when they come there, they come there with their wild behaviors and, you know, you just give them time and show them consistency. Like, you know what? I like you. I value you. I like your behavior. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to work on that, you know, and, uh, find some replacements and done a lot of, you know, coping mechanisms, a lot of coping skills, um, to add into their little repertoire. And, you know, you, you give it time, you can see some amazing transformations. Do you have a? Do you have anyone in particular that you're thinking of? Yes, I'm thinking about a a, a current twelfth grader when we come back to school in August. And he's made amazing progress. He still says some really interesting things. I think would put a lot of people off, but you just can't. You you look at him before and you just see the danger, all the anger, you know, in inside him that they know this is really a dangerous individual. Sure. You know, after a while and they start figuring things out for themselves, you know, with the help of people, how transformative that can be. I think with this individual in my head, he's going to have problems for his whole life. But, you know, I think he's going to be, you know, a, model, a, a productive member of society. He will have a job someday and, you know, have some friends, which for, you know, some people, lots of problems, that's not an option to have friends and a job you know, all the things that perhaps we take, you know, for granted is being quote-unquote normal. Oh, yeah, normal. Yeah. I mean, you'd have to have pretty understanding and patient friends, I would imagine, if if they were not on the spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you are. What does that mean exactly, being on the spectrum or not on the spectrum? Well, autism is really broad because you could run into someone basically coming off as you or I, and they might just have some little mannerisms or take some things a little too literally, and they would never even be diagnosed as technically having autism. And then there's completely non-communicative people who, you know, looking at them really don't do much. So it's really 
a broad spectrum. It is a very broad spectrum. Yeah, it really is. So, like, if there's something about you that distributes that behavior, it's just driven across this kind of graph of how you're measured. You meet certain criteria for it. And I've met at least a few students diagnosed with autism where I couldn't detect it at all. Yeah. Just some of their mannerisms. Because, you know, sometimes they'll have like this blank look on their face and take everything literally. And you can just look at them and go, yeah, you know, that kid or that uh, individual is autistic. Matter of fact, about two weeks ago, I was getting some fast food and the cashier was like, down like, my wife's like, yeah, that kid's on this spectrum. And then other times, really is. No, didn't catch that at all. So I've got friends like that. Yeah. Uh huh. That they say and do things. And I just kind of look at them like, it's possible. That's what's interesting. But these type of fe- these guys, I mean, we're we're so late in the game that I'm like, hey, brother, <laughs> I'm not gonna say Did you ever go get tested, <laughs> you know? Yeah, it might not go over real well. I'll just let him keep working through it like he's been doing. So, what causes autism? You know what? That's a really interesting question, and there's a lot of people with all kinds of theories. Some of them very solid, and you know you've heard people with these conspiracy theories about how um, you know injections are causing them because of the mercury content. But I guess the truth is, no one knows for 100. percent There's there is a problem with metals, you know, building up in autistic people's brains, and there's also all kinds of digestive issues. So there's scientists reaching, you know, looking at digestive issues and other people with metals. So no one knows. Well, I mean, the gut's the second brain, you know, I mean, it, it, there you go. And there are difference in autistic guts than quote unquote normal guts. And you got your master's in, in your field in special education, right? Yeah. Okay. So you deal with autistic patients or I'm sorry, you deal with autistic students and then extreme ADD and ADHD. Yeah. We had one guy and he just left the school because he made so much progress. He would only be able to work for 10 minutes. You know, there's 90 minute blocks and, you know, it's kept positive reinforcing. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. Keep going, keep going. So he was there for two years, but that's it. He's done. You know, he can work now 90 minutes. Worked you know, out. He just, yeah, he did. You know, he just needed some structure, needed some positive reinforcement. He doesn't need that school anymore. Did he? And, and like, it, it wasn't that he just needed a bunch of medicine. No, no. I think there are a lot of people aren't really that keen on giving children amphetamines anyway. So... I mean, I, I've seen it work, so I'm not knocking it. I've, I've seen the other saying. side of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my daughter, um, she's got ADD and ADHD. You know, it's frustrating. It's scary. It's terrifying. You you want the best for your kid. And I grew up with untreated ADD. So you would probably just blame for everything, right? Why would you sit down and just do your work? Yeah. You always You're a bad kid is what the problem is, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not that I have 40 different ideas going through my head at once. And I can't pay attention to one because, oh, there goes this over there. And it's just not possible. Yeah, I was a fucking rubber band. You there know what you I mean? Go. It's just all over the place. And then my brother was slow as molasses, not slow mentally. I mean, he just was big and didn't move around a lot and, and uh, was not shaped or built or wired like me. And and he was the smart one. Yes. Right? So, air quotes, <laughs> he was the smart one. I was the athletic one. I was the strong one. Yeah. And those were the roles that we were given. And it really does. It seems foolish, but it's it's interesting. If you tell a kid he's a fish, he's going to be a fish, you know. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I got along later in life that I realized that's not the case at all. No. Like, I, I don't doubt my intellect anymore at all, but I did up until I was 27, 
you know, and that affected me greatly in school because what's the point? If I'm just going to be doing this, I'm not and going to fail at it. I might as well just do something else. Now, I'm not saying that as a crutch or, or an excuse because a lot of those were my choices. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of it was me being defiant. Like, no, I would rather go do this and this. Yeah, well, I would probably bet that you probably didn't enjoy school then. Oh, I It was a it. defeating process and it was probably humiliating. Hated it. So the teachers suck, <laughs> basically, huh? There's a lot more fun things to do, like shoot spitballs across the classroom and annoy other people than read a stupid book that you don't like and can't understand anyway. Yeah. And so like with my daughter, same thing, hates school. Sure. But she's a social creature. I mm-hmm. mean, she's just, she loves talking to adults and, and uh, doesn't do real well with her peers as I've shared with you and, and, but does real well with kids. So it's or with younger kids. So it's, it's really interesting to see how she struggles and how she excels at things. But, yeah. and, and I can't tell you how many teacher meetings I've sat in with her mom and I, and, and like, Hey y'all, I get it. Like you've got 27 of these kids and you got to push them through, but I'm team Abby. Like I'm going to be mm. team Abby until the day I die. Kids need an advocate. That's great. And, but it's very difficult because they're like, yeah, yeah you just need to go get her medicated. And we went through the whole process. And yes. It really does make a teacher's job much easier when you do that. Oh, yeah. But then again, you can give kid, kid amphetamines. It's speed. It is. It really is. <laughs> and it's they come, addictive. And what goes up must come down. It's also, they, the kids can sometimes <laughs> sell, or older kids selling those kids off, like, you know, to college students, like, I don't know, 15, 20 bucks a pill. Like, hmm, you want 15, 20 bucks? You want to take your medicine in the morning? That's, yeah, that's for unfortunate. sure. So, you know, and, and, and then we've gone through the gambit of, of different medications for our, my daughter, and, and it's none of them. You know, they had a very short success window. Really? You know, in the very beginning, all the lights come on, and yeah. then she's like super, because she's high as a kite. Okay. And I come from that kind of background. I know what the fuck I'm looking at. <laughs> gotcha, I'm, gotcha. I'm like, she's high. Yeah. I mean, she, hell yeah, she's doing great. Throw a crossword puzzle in front of her and watch her excel. You know, yeah. let's give her a toothbrush. The baseboards are going to be clean as shit. But when she comes down, you know, there were times that it was dealing with that and the emotions of a 12-year-old. And yeah, I mean, that was a pretty volatile time. It's, it's scary that we put kids on those so quickly. And I've had doctors straight up tell me, diet doesn't matter. Really? Environment okay. doesn't matter. Uh-huh. You know, give her all, put her in all the yoga and meditation you want. It's not going to make a difference. Okay. But I'm sitting there talking to a pediatrician. And it's like, you're full of shit. Yeah, I just, there's so much more, there's so many more options, in my opinion, that can help a child. I do not. There are a lot of accommodations, too. I mean, you just can't expect a kid to work for an hour and a half on a social studies thing. But you can get the kid to do work for uh, 10 minutes yeah. and then give a break, work on something else. Okay, good. And then, you know, give them a positive reinforcement that they like. Okay, let's try another 10 minutes. So, again, you can play your video games or go on Facebook or whatever it is after you complete 10 more minutes. You know, the accommodations. For sure. There wasn't a whole lot of reward when we were in school. It was like either do the I'll deal. Beat your ass if you don't do it. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I did have one ag teacher that was like, if you'll just get this done, we'll go smoke. Oh, how funny. And so we would do the thing real quick. Well, there's your positive reinforcer. It's exactly what I'm talking about. Well, you wouldn't have expected that one. But. Well, there was, there was three classes that I loved in high school, and it was weightlifting, shop class, and ag. Yeah. I mean, those were fun. No doubt. Um, Hands-on, moving around, not sitting at a desk reading a boring book. Oh, shit, man. It, it was, makes a lot of sense. And, you know, 
you see kids now, like with my daughter, for instance, she, I got so tired of hearing ever since she was a child, Hey dad, I stayed on red or I stayed on green today. Mm -hmm. Hey dad, I got on yellow today. And it was like, you know, her mom would be, did you get on red today? Did you get on red today? You know, the little clothespin got moved down on her name. So she's openly being shamed in front of everybody. Uh And, and just that kind of neurotic or neuroses that, that, that would develop, you know, that just constant picking, picking away at these kids. Like they're fucking children. They're going to squirm and talk. And I mean, she didn't call you a fat bitch and throw a chair at you. <laughs> there you go. Like, that's a good day. I was sitting in an office in a meeting one time, and I won't say the school district, but this teacher was, and I tried to always look at it pretty, I tried to be real detached. Like, mm-hmm. okay, she's our kid. We're super protective of her, but these are also teachers and they do this every day and let's just not jump down their throat you know and yeah because the system you're talking about really does work for the vast majority of the kids but it's not for everyone and we need to consider that and make that accommodation okay we use a different program something specifically for someone like your daughter that is going to work don't keep doing something that doesn't work you mashing her sense. the square peg in the round hole exactly i use that analogy a lot she will mm-hmm. never fit in that hole there ever. you go yeah and I if you keep it. beating on her you're just going to destroy her yes you know, like I, I, sh- I think the final straw for me was like I showed up to another parent-teacher meeting, and she got written up again, and of course she's failing because it's just you know, all these different things. And what she got written up for was they put her on a bouncy chair or a bouncy ball as a oh, chair. Oh yeah, uh huh. She got written up for bouncing on it. Uh, I can't really make any sense out of that. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, lady? You're ridiculous. No, but they actually do have chairs like that for AD kids so they can sit and get out the energy and bounce around. Those things really do exist, and I I hear they're wonderful. Yeah. yeah. But why you'd write a kid up for bounce, that's just, you set the kid up for failure and the kid failed, well then, who really, you know? Sure, sure. And that's, I mean, and, and I don't mean to make this a big session about my daughter, you know, yeah, but no. the, it's so frustrating as a parent. You know, I mean, it, it's just... Yeah, you, you want the best for your kid, and just like you said, why can't you just do the work, and then, and then you battle with it, and like maybe if I rub this fucking oil behind her ear, you know, or or this whatever, or you know, feed her this thing or not that thing, or it's you're trying to, you know, I remember I talked uh, my ex into making Abby gluten free. Okay, right? Let's try that. Why not? Heard somewhere, saw it somewhere. I'm gluten free. It works pretty well for me for everything okay. else. Let's try that. You know, maybe it's a gut health thing. So it was like pulling teeth and it was super traumatic for Abby because oh, yeah. she made it traumatic. Like, okay. And then I think there was not a whole lot of reciprocation on the other end. So we go through this whole deal. We get a printout from her lunch deal. Like, and she wasn't even supposed to, she's supposed to take her lunch uh-huh. and she'd be getting Cheetos and like ice cream <laughs> and rolls and pizza the whole time. And then, you know, we had the conversation. She's like, well, it doesn't work. So I'm not doing that again. Yeah. It I didn't know. work. Oh uh, shit. Well. All right. So you try all these things as a parent and then, but you don't want your kid just to end up being cast aside. Yeah. And totally. Then, and then you get the real extreme cases and they end up with you or yeah. places like yours. And so y'all institute different therapies, different, like what, what's a day look like for a, a kid like that? <laughs> you know, a day can look like a regular day for anybody else. So we have longer homerooms. We you know, talk about social skills and stuff like that. But then they have their first class, you know, it's probably history, math. And, oh, what's really nice 
is after the, the first block, then it's like a half hour recess outside. Even the high schoolers, you know, when a traditional high school, you wouldn't have a recess, but yeah, they do go out for half hour. And then we do the second block and then we have a 45 minute, um, lunch. And then there's the last block of the day, which actually divided into two. So it's, you know, the different classes that they, they want to be in their electives. It's a lot of moving around. Yeah. It's like 90 minutes, take a break, 90 minutes, take a break. And then, you know, 45, 45, go home. Uh, very structured. You know, it's that structure is really, really important to a lot of kids. Whatever. They know what to expect. So I know for days like me, because, I mean, I have ADD and, and I manage it as holistically as, as possible. Mm-hmm. I know there's days for me to where, I mean, the brakes are off. I just, I'm not, I'm not getting it together. Being at work is just very difficult. There's just a hornet's nest going in my head. And usually there's a, a recipe for that disaster, and it's typically didn't get enough sleep, having to drink too much caffeine or whatever it is, and then, sure. and then that just stokes the fire. And I can usually tell about 11 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, well, shit, <laughs> <laughs> that, that little recipe didn't work. So say a kid is having that issue, yeah. 8 o'clock, and he's just spinning circles. Yeah. Well, what we do is we'll first figure out, is this kid really in a place in his head where he can really sit in the classroom and learn? Mm-hmm. If he is, great. You know, offer all, you know, a lot of encouragement. So, you know, something that's going to be done. Offer like a break. You know, you want to go take a walk for 10 minutes and come on back to the lesson. So, you know, if the kid needs to get out, let him out. And then when they feel ready, you know, get back in the game and right back into education. Um... Other times things can go pretty far south and, you know, might, okay, you need to go, you know, to the therapist and, you know, work on some things over there and, you know, they might do some journaling or be in a quiet room by themselves for a while because they're not ready just, you know, be in a classroom with all these, all the stimuli and all the people and all the talking and, you know, that can really be overwhelming for some people. So... It might be as simple as just a quiet room and do your work in there, or it might be a quiet room and you're not doing any academic work because you're really not ready for it that day. So it just depends on what the kid needs at that particular moment. You know, why know? force it and make them even more frustrated? Oh, yeah, that's not going to go well if you do that. If you try to force it or get into a power trip with a kid like that, oh, shit. good luck, or man. Any kid. <laughs> any fucking kid. <laughs> I've, my daughter is so good at a, at a standoff. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and then it's just like, on, no, I'm going to win. No, no, no. What you need to do is, okay, well, I understand you don't want to work on your history right now. So you, I mean, I need you to make a choice, right? You can either work on that, you can work on it later and get it done. You know, you give them a couple of choices so they feel like they're the ones, you know, they have the power. I'm the one, but you, you limit their choices, right? You know, you can go take a break now. And then come back, or you can go take a break and then take your work and work on that later, you know. But you got to come back. Yeah, you you're, you're coming work. back in, and yeah, you're going to be held accountable for your work. Yeah, my, but still, you're the one going to make the choice about this, not me. Sometimes getting my daughter to do the work is like putting a cat in a toilet. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it just it is hard. Doesn't want to go in there. Doesn't want to get it done. And yeah, and sometimes that's not going to get done. Oh no. No, no. And are you going to fight it? Because that you're going to get nowhere. You're going to she's going to get pissed off. You're going to get pissed off. So, you know what? Let's take a break. And Let's that, come back this maybe an hour and we'll reassess. And that's maybe we're ready then. Awesome in here when uh-huh. we're talking. But when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the thick of it, God dang. Well, you're not. You're 100 percent your rational mind anyway. When someone's challenging you, 
you're pissed off and normally no win. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, oh man, I know, I'm, I know I'm not the only one that does that. Yeah. You know, you said something about frustration and enforcing it. And that was a question I was going to ask about the kids that had autism or ADD. So when you say they're dangerous, I understand what that means. Like, you know, they're a danger to themselves or others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They physically try to attack another sure, person. Sure. Or themselves too is another issue. Is that a you know self harm? Sure. Is that an, is that frustration from an inability to express themselves, or is that an involuntary thing? Is it a lot? Is it all that? I, I probably like all of it, and probably even maybe some more other stuff that I haven't really considered. But yeah, I agree a hundred percent. So as you as these kids learn different ways to cope, and when they're in a more comfortable, safer, accepting environment. Yeah, a lot of it's too you know, metacognitive. They re- eventually they'll realize their own something's triggering them, and they'll just say, you know, Mr. Dan, I, I need to take a break. I'm going to come back in ten minutes. Okay, where are you going to be? Oh, I'm going to be in such such a room for ten minutes, and then I'm going to come back. Okay, thank you for letting me know. Hell and that's a, it. The kid's gone. Hell of a plan, Johnny. See it is a hell of a plan, but you need a plan. Where are you going to be? What are you going to do? You know, I'm going to go in the other room, and I'm going to bounce a ball for a little while. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay, then we'll get some work done then. That's cool. <laughs> My daughter, you know, that? we would tell her, okay, at any time, baby, you can say, hey, y'all, I just need a break to calm myself down and whatever. Like, she gets to call timeout. As long as they don't abuse that, because then you got to calm on the shit. That's the thing. <laughs> and then it gets even worse, because, like, <clears throat> whenever it happens, you know, I'm sitting there like, oh, no, bullshit. Yeah. No, you're staying here for this. She's like, Dad, you told me. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. What I said, you, you're, you, you're not cutting out right now. And mm-hmm. having to like honor that. And so, okay, but we are going to have, but then it's almost like a little poke as she's leaving. But hey, we're going to have this conversation. Yeah, you're right. And it gets into that tug of war. I mean, that, ki- kids that, are, that, that does happen. Kids are tricky. Mm hmm. And you've got, you've got two, two children on my own. Yes. How old are they? Uh, my daughter is 22, and my son just graduated from high school a few weeks ago. He's a, he turned 18 in March. And they lived with you? Yeah, exactly. A divorce situation. They were actually taken away from their mother by CPS. Multiple people had informed CPS of her behaviors, police involved, etc., etc. And you got awarded custody? Yeah, I was awarded custody and tried to just get out of that negative situation altogether. That's why I moved to Texas um, to get away because we were living in California and I had family. I have family here in Texas. Everything was so crazy out there. So I petitioned the court um, if I can leave and I was granted custody, you know, the permission to just leave the state with the children. They said, yeah, hell yeah, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, a legal battle, of course. Oh, but, sure. Um, yeah, and I had a good lawyer. <laughs> That's a wise investment. It really can be. You know, it's I'm sure it's protection for you, but whatnot. But in my situation, it's really protection for the children too. One thing I've seen with a lot of guys is they don't invest in that portion of the divorce. Instead, it's like, well, I can't afford it. I'm like, well, sell some guns, yeah. sell your car, take a loan you out. You can't afford something. not to, brother. Yeah, because you're going to be paying for the next. I mean, you're going to be getting crucified for the next 18 years. Yep. And it's already kind of biased towards the mother. So you really do have to fight for it. Oh, absolutely. Because when we were first divorced, I had 30 or 33% custody. 
you know, there's the uh, every Wednesday and every other weekend nonsense, and during summer vacation, then it goes 50-50. But slowly but surely, um, I gained more and more custody. How old were they? Um, let's see, I think my daughter was like in third grade during the divorce, and then... Uh, my son was probably like three, so he really has no memories of actually uh, being together anyway. But there was a funny story. Uh, I took the kids to the zoo, and I was with another friend of mine too. And um, I guess someone was smoking some weed close by, and I made a smart aleck uh, comment, oh, the, the Rastafarians are out tonight. And then my daughter goes, well, that's what mommy smells like when she comes out of the bathroom. <laughs> like what <laughs> so the strange thing is that she had actually been taking me to court on trying to raise the uh, child support or something like that and so i asked for more and requested that she have to take a drug test she refused to take the drugs admitted that she asked yeah, she was in fact you know smoking marijuana you know with the children in the home and at that point my custody you know went up a bit and then you know when her own mother called cps on her uh, you imagine that your own mom calling cps on you yeah and of course the kid's therapist called cps on her and uh, it was uh, about 20 calls to cps which means child protective services yeah crazy anybody that's listening to this podcast knows what that acronym is okay that's an important one that's uh but hey, man, you uh, you did what you had to do to get your kids. Yeah. So, I mean, it took years. My daughter was in, I think, sixth grade when she finally came to live with me. It was Thanksgiving. Of course, I'll never forget that. About as thankful as you'll ever get when you get, you know, granted your own child being taken away from that situation. Yeah, so that was November. Um, and then by August, uh, then my son came to live with me, too. So it was well, a trickle. Yeah, it did. Well, really kind of crazy is that the mother really played some favorites and just her and my daughter were always button heads. But uh, my son was always like the favorite, her favorite. Mm-hmm. So he really uh, didn't receive anywhere as near as you know, the physical and emotional abuse and neglect yeah. as my daughter did. But eventually, I mean, this crazy shit's even going on right now because, you know, I told you my son just graduated. And so his mother came for graduation. And there was drama. And he ended up calling her girlfriend all these horrible things, accusing her. And she's a sweet girl. <laughs> we, we love her around here. But it was just just dying conspiracy. So now my son is the bad child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His girlfriend just this you know, horrible person that's controlling him and all this which you know, is absolute nonsense and his girlfriend is 18 17 <laughs> yeah yeah i think she's actually 19 or something like that she's perfectly fine individual right she's wonderful and she's always welcome here but and, and you and your wife both are in the mental health field in some form yeah, so she yeah recognizes all that. So if there's any red flags, you know, you're, she's gonna pick up on it. Like, sweetie, um. yeah. Well, we were expecting trouble anyway, so but well, it's gonna be for four days. Okay, we've got four days of trouble. But now their mother's back out in California, and yay, all is well. Everything's back to normal. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any reason why she'll be coming back anytime soon. So sorry you had to go through that this weekend. Was it this weekend? Oh, no. When was it? I think he graduated on the 24th. So it was right before I went on that cruise I was telling you about. What a nice way to get away after that. Yes, I did, huh? I just leave the country. In your line of work, do you have to deal with the parents a lot? 
I wouldn't say a lot, but certainly. Um, and usually that works out really, really well. But as you might imagine, you know, there's that saying that, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the trees. Right. So occasionally um, some of the parents can be quite irrational. It doesn't happen very often, but it certainly does. That can be tough. I remember having a parent who wanted their child to have more classes and like, well, we only have, you know, seven <laughs> blocks a day. There's no time. Well, you don't need to, you know, completely irrational. You need to make more time. Like, well, an alter time, huh? Well, so, no, you know, you got to be very forceful. Not, there isn't, that's not possible. We can't do that. And uh, You, ma'am, are clearly an idiot. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. We're not willing to do that. Yeah, exactly. No, be polite about it and be professional, which can be hard. What advice would you give to somebody if they were, say, if, if they were on the front end of this? Yeah. And they were starting to have a lot of hell in public schools. Maybe something was just not the same with their kid. Stay in close contact with the teacher mm-hmm. and know this could be a rough ride, but you really need to be an advocate for your child because then you don't want this nonsense where, you know, you're, you're just a bad kid and you're causing the problem. Involve your doctor too, because maybe there is a, a medical reason for this behavior, such as ADHD, and know that accommodations can be made in place. Um, certainly some of these kids are going to need special education services, but a lot of them won't. And there's something called a 504 plan. Have you heard of that before? Oh, yeah. I'm- very familiar. <laughs> good, good, good. And, you know, be an advocate for your child and get the accommodations that are going to help them be successful. And really watch it because the school might just tell you no, but that's really a bunch of nonsense. Uh, it's clearly a violation of law, but unfortunately, it happens all the time every day. There's and, a very big school here in Fort Worth or in between Fort Worth and Weatherford that, uh, that violated a lot of Abby's 504. Yeah. But that was before we put her in homeschool. Okay. And it's amazing. It's re- it's quite remarkable, actually. Yeah. And, you know, it's illegal to do things like that, but yeah. it still happens. Yeah. And they'll tell you all kinds of stuff. You know, getting my daughter uh, tested for ADD and uh, learning disabilities was mm-hmm. a three-year process. That's ridiculous. And her mom would be able to really tell you the dates because my when I think of dates, they kind of jumble together for me. Okay. Yeah. Because it's not how I compartmentalize information it was a constant like no she doesn't she's fine here look at this little coloring sheet no see she's fine and we're like no no <laughs> and then finally we went to scottish right they're a good organization and that, especially with reading problems and stuff like that and oh, she man. went through the Love whole them. the whole battery of tests and good, yeah they're and that's one you thing. did a good job thank you, thank you. <laughs> well speaking her, of advocating for your child her mom too i mean her mom really has been on top of it too cool i've i've I mean, we both just are Team Abby. Yeah. You know? That's awesome, man. Is Scottish right just in Texas? No. Or they're um, all over? Yeah. I mean, you've probably heard of Freemasons, right? Yes, yes. It's part of that organization. So one thing I do know that I can offer uh, advice to anyone that's listening to this that might think that their child has a learning disability or ADD or ADHD or reads words differently or whatever, get on the waiting list at Scottish right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and do it. I would also push the school district to do the testing and get some sort of sort of request to from the doctor. You know, you need something because I'll, the school district very much just blow you off. Oh, no, no, no. Bill, little Billy's fine. And he, he just needs to stop being a knucklehead and throwing things in the classroom, you know. 
And also, whenever they tell you no, say, okay, so you're denying my request, and then write that down in front of them. Yeah. And note that shit in front of them. Yeah, and make your request formal in writing, too. And you know? their denial. Yeah. So, and then there's also things you could do. Is, I mean, you can hire a lawyer, too, but that sounds kind of expensive. But there's educational advocates who will go after them. Be a little less expensive, too. So advocates. There's people that love fucking with the school district. Absolutely. I mean, they will just do it for you. Uh huh. <laughs> All you got to do is say, look what they did to my kid. But you need to be really proactive about it and seek these people out and, you know, to get things done. Otherwise, that's, that's a lot of money. So the, and the school district doesn't want to kick out that money. And there's extra money in special education services, but I don't really know how the finances work. Yeah, I can't remember how much Scottish Rite cost. Maybe it's free. Maybe that's part of the whole thing. It could be. I mean... You Freemasons know, are basically into doing good, positive things for other humans. And it's an amazing facility. You know, like the Shriners, you know, and their hospital there, and, you know, free service. So The Scottish Rite in, in Dallas was, I mean, it was phenomenal. Yeah. It was, there was a doctor there, uh, Dr. Black, I believe his name was. They like prescriptions there. Okay. No doubt about that. Yeah, that's part of our culture. Yeah. There's but, a pill for everything. But they offered a lot of solution. Nice. You know, they offered a lot of explanation. Um, which was, which was valuable. And by going there and having that, we were able to come back to the school district and, you know, very matter of factly say, no, you're going to give her these accommodations. Yeah. But there's a line, you know, one thing that I struggled with that was a source of frustration for my, for her mother and, and myself is putting too many accommodations in place. Like, let's okay. like, so I, I remember asking her mom, I, I want her to succeed, but I don't want to keep lowering the goalposts so much that she doesn't know how to manage her symptoms mm -hmm. and you know how she's being coddled essentially. Okay. Yeah. I know she's not a neurotypical kid. I don't know where that line is. Uh, you know, again, I'm a welder. So, I mean, it's like, it's not my, it's not my bag. But as a dad, I remember, and I still struggle with this, you know, it's like, well, are we just being super sensitive? Are we, are we just being too protective of our kid? You know, I mean, um, there's that line that we would, that you kind of dance and it's, I don't know, it's, it's a hard, it's a yeah. hard dance to do. If there's an IEP in place, it really is always a, a team approach. Mm -hmm. You know, all the teachers put in their input what they're seeing, you know, what she might need for this class versus that class. And there could actually be different accommodations for different classes. Like maybe you, someone like your daughter wouldn't really need accommodations in science because they're doing labs and stuff like that. But in English class, you know, if a student was like four grade levels below, well, then maybe you can have the, you know, book on tape, as they, they call it, and that can be your accommodation. So... You know, it just depends. And again, you're going to need a good program and a lot of people working together to get that because. And there is the, you know, the standardized testing. That's a big deal. I mean, uh, a lot of the accommodations were just to get her through that. Oh, that's such a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> it's not a standardized kid, man. <laughs> you know, what's so interesting is like, we're going to, we're going to, man. And that's, that's a whole different other show. Y'all don't have to deal with that in your facility, do you? No, no, no. Because you're privately funded, so you don't have to prove that y'all aren't doing your job. Exactly. No, it's the parents' call. Well, they think we're doing our jobs or not. You know, what What changes are they seeing in the kid? Not, uh, you know, Billy got 75% on this test. 
And that's the thing, man. I, I, I mean, I feel for teachers being in that public school environment. Yeah, I did that for a long, quite a few times with that bureaucracy and 14 years, I think. And the parents and the fucking wild ass kids and all the bullshit. And, you know, if you don't get them ready for this test, then we're not going to get any more funding or you're not going to get a job. And, you know, just way to shape the youth, man. Yeah. Politics, man. It's a, a shame. Little kids are the victims of it. I was a little off topic, but I mean, I guess it's valid. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's valid. The frustrations of what kids would have to deal with and, and how, how they're probably not fitting into that mold, that cookie cutter deal. As a parent, do you have any suggestions for parents on, on how to deal with them, these things themselves? Like different outreach groups or different um, methods for the, or different, I mean, I don't know, even know what to. There are a lot of support groups out there, especially like for parents of autistic children. Okay. And I think that would be very, very helpful. You know, someone else has already gone through this and, you know, tried this and tried that. And there's all kinds of, you know, lectures going on out there. So there's a lot of support. I think it's really, really important to get support and become educated yourself about it because, you know, this is some really complicated stuff, you know, going on. And it's nice and easy to just blame the kid for their, you know, problems. And sometimes, you know, it may seem like they could be simply just doing something better, but they can. It's, you know, it's just not possible for them. So, you know, being understanding and, of course, again, being that cheerleader, like you guys say, you know, you're the big cheerleader for the team, Team Abby, you know, doing the same thing. Because you don't want your kid brushed under the carpet, and that really can happen. Happens a lot. In big schools. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I mean, and that's a shame. It really is. Well, buddy, I appreciate you taking the time to... That was my pleasure. I really enjoyed this. To discuss this stuff, maybe offer a different view. And if, if anybody wants to find more information from Dan, how can they get a hold of you, or do you just want them to email me? Yeah. I can maybe then send them to you know some res- where where they are, send them some some resources because there really is a tremendous amount of support out there. Okay, you know, and it's a lot of it's even free too. So yeah, seize it, seize the opportunity. You just make gotta know your where life to look. better, make the kids' life better, et cetera, et cetera. Because it shouldn't be a struggle. Raising kids are hard enough. Yeah, it should hundred percent true. Like in because it's a beating at school, and the kid, and that's one thing to remember is. We have our own experiences in our own life. Like mm-hmm. we, we, we each have our emotional armor that we walk around with or chinks in our armor or whatever it is, hardened areas and soft areas. Our children don't have that yet. They, they are depending on us, the big people, to guide them and, and protect them. And they trust that what we're doing is the best for them. Certainly trying. So it can be really frustrating for them when they're, doing what they're told to be doing, but it's not good enough. And then they get their ass chewed at home. They get it done, chewed at school. and Pretty traumatic, isn't it? It really is. It's just a constant feeling of not enough. Beaten down. Fucking nagged. Indeed. Was it pecked to death by chickens? You know, just whatever <laughs> that saying is. Yeah, I hear you. And sometimes I look at my daughter, or a lot of times, and I'm just like, oh, baby, just hang on. Sometimes I feel like she's just getting her ass chewed all the time, and I just... I'm like, hey, let's let's go throw rocks at cars or something. <laughs> let's just go have fun and be kids. Again, thank you so much. If anybody wants any information, you can email me directly and I can get you in touch with Dan. My email is ryan at thecircleofdadspodcast.com. You do not have to be perfect, 
but you do have to be present. Love runs downhill. We chase those kids till the day we die. Thank you.